This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Father God, your grace is sufficient for us in our weakness as you are yet leaned upon to grace us with your presence. We know you're able, Lord, do exceeding abundantly above what I could ask or think. I know you are yet with me as I am yet your messenger. I thank you, Lord. I submit once again to you to render the message which you have uttered by your spirit. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' matchless name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank God for all of you here on today, worshiping in the house of God. Amen. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. Thankful to God for a lot of things that happened this week. Amen. God took me through another school year as a certified teacher there over in North Babylon, where I teach. And um, we had exuberant praises as the buses left the premises for the last time this school year. Amen. Ah, if, if you were one of the teachers that taught with me this year, amen, save the night, you would have been shouting in the aisle. Amen. For all that we went through. Very challenging year, but we're thankful to God because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Amen. That happened this week. We also had, amen, amen, my mother's birthday. Amen. Thank God. She's 20-something years old. We thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. And today being the 26th is my youngest sibling's birthday. Why? Amen. Thank God. 15 years younger than I am. Amen. Amen. I thank God for her. As we are approaching now the throne of God. Amen. We want to look at the book of Psalms in the middle of your Bible. Put your thumb in the middle. You'll, you'll find the book of Psalms. We're going to Psalm number 66. Only one short verse to help us. We're in our 18th year of uh, being a church, and uh, we thank God we are in the midst of seeking the Lord as the Holy Ghost has been prompting us, I need to revive you, I need to revive you, I need to restore you. There are things that need to be done, I need to restore you. He wants to, amen, give us revival, amen. So we have a sermon series called the Living Truth Series, and um, part three is yet on hold, which is uh, dealing with what the Bible actually said, uh, what the Bible actually teaches about women, because we know that so many uh, denominations and doctrines are out there uh, dominating over the women as though they don't, amen, count much, amen. But uh, there's righteous, correct teaching that we ought to follow. But as the Lord has put that on a pause to help us to uh, have Father's Day last time, Father's Day helped to help promote Revival, and this message is also promoting revival. So, I'm going to read to your hearing from Psalm 66, 18, King James Version, uh, where it reads, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. My God. You know, the greatest hindrance to revival is not sin. You would think so, right? Sin is why we need revival. The greatest hindrance is when we do not deal 
with our sin. So you see the difference? The Spirit seeks to pour in a new anointing of revival in our midst. But we need a hunger and thirst for it. The Holy Ghost could prompt us all day, but if we're not hungering and thirsting after what he is trying to promote, um, the move will be ineffective. When God says move, we have to move. Amen? He heals some people in the word, and, it, and, and he told them, pick up your bed and what? Walk. Told some people, go wash here and go wash there. And when they did it in faith and belief in what he was saying, uh, there was an effectiveness. God wants to look uh, that we will have uh, effectiveness in our midst according to what his desire is for this house. Amen. So what's hindering the move of the Spirit in our personal lives and the life of our local assembly? The living truth of this message will help us all to understand the greatest hindrance to revival. I'm going to share with you tenets from that theme, that title, The Greatest Hindrance to Revival. You heard the psalmist that I just read. The psalmist said, if I, regra if I uh, regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Amen. The issue is not the fact uh, of having iniquity in your heart. It is a regarding of that iniquity. The devil could put thought bombs all up in your mind, but you don't have to heed to them. You could, dis you could dismiss them. You could say, get thee what behind me, Satan. My God, you could say, loose your hole, amen, the blood of Jesus against you, and go a different direction. But when we, we regard the iniquity, sometimes there are proclivities within us, our characteristic, our persona. We're used to certain things, and the devil knows how to pull on and tug on our heartstrings to draw us by our own desires and entice us away from the true will of God and make us go unto a falsehood. Amen. So this is why we need to learn how to uh, disregard iniquity. Don't regard it. Amen. So the regarding of, of sin is uh, the same as disregarding God. We don't disregard God. We're supposed to disregard sin and iniquity. Amen? God wants to cleanse and redirect us away from that. But when we heed to those things, we are hindering the process. While God does not turn away from his children, we can at times hinder our fellowship with him through such disregard. And, and sin must be dealt with. My God, it, it must be acknowledged. It must be owned. And know then the gracious blood of Jesus will come in because it's powerful. It can cleanse from sin. It can restore us unto the right will of God. If you want to be restored, you will regard the holy will of God. And then fellowship with God will be unhindered. You know, many face a problem that can be traced to subtle sins of our converted life. Did I mess up? Did I say of the converted life? Yes, you know, people are converted to Christ, but yet are found oftentimes in sin. Hmm. Sins that we oftentimes overlook. Here are some of them. Sins like pride. Pride can be very subtle. 
which others see in us while we seem pretty much blind to it, sins like abrasiveness. My God. We would call from around the way, we would say, you just stank. Abrasiveness. Persons who are bitter, sarcastic. They have that bitter, sarcastic edge. They are abrasive. My God. What about irritability? Always irritable, you know? Always impatient. My God. These can become a sin that we seek to hold on to. My God. Sins like a critical spirit that focuses on the negative rather than the positive in other people. People who are all oftentimes, amen, found complaining mostly. They are condescending a lot. They have secret indulgence, uh, indulgences. Uh, sins like self-will in ministry could become a sin. People with a title in church, you know, but they're self-willed, not following the will of God. That can become a sin. That's the kind of sin that will lead you ultimately, if you keep going in that direction, uh, you get called home, uh, and you think you're going to be home, but Jesus is saying, depart from me, what? I know you not, you worker of iniquity. People who regard sin in their life are workers, what? Of iniquity. You may not want to, amen, regard iniquity. When the Holy Ghost reveals what that is, it's your, you know, next move. Your next move ought to be to, amen, get rid of that thing. Be far, far apart from it. Amen. Steer clear of it. Amen. You don't want to do, you don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm going to tell you now a little history here. Bear with me. Don't go to sleep. But way back in the 1960s, uh, there were three ladies that started meeting weekly to pray for their church. They asked God to search their hearts based on the scripture we read, Psalm 66, 18. And then what followed were uh, six miserable weeks, as they described them, uh, followed as they dealt with the subtle sins that the Holy Spirit brought to their attention. See, before the Holy Ghost can work really good, he will show you some things that are in the way. My God. So six miserable weeks followed as the Holy Ghost shined a light from heaven on their soul, and they were found to have things that were not, uh, you know, according to the will, holy, the holy will of God. You know, then the Spirit released them to pray for God to pour out his Holy Spirit in revival on their church after they dealt with their sin. The next Sunday, the Spirit moved. Amen. God granted a season of refreshing for six months and reviving the church and bringing in a fresh harvest of souls. Oh, how we ought to be longing for God to move. Sometimes we want the cart before the horse. Oh, we need souls. Where are the souls? How come so many empty chairs? Where are the souls? And the Holy Ghost is saying, I can't bring the souls till you get your soul right. My God, my God. I need to share with you right now 10 behaviors that will hinder revival. I read a lot of articles from reliable sources. And this one gentleman, uh, minister, 
in the Lord's will for biblical teaching, a Joseph Matera, um, he wrote an article that shares such sentiments, and um, the Holy Ghost showed me how to tailor it for our house. Amen. But it's mostly intact. My God. But the following 10 kinds of habit patterns will make and keep us unfit, hindering us from spiritual maturity as a faithful disciple of Christ, unless we make the necessary shifts in our attitude or our behavior. Let's look at number one. Go through them. Those who do not take responsibility for themselves. You know, God wants us to admit things, to own up. Amen. And I'm, I'm writing, I have finished writing a book for younger readers regarding empathy. It's entitled The Empathy Lesson. And I am caricatured as the teacher there. But there were bullies uh, in the school, and uh, it affected how some were, you know, unable to, they were not able to listen in class, and they were afraid to come to school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the bullies were found out. And, um, you know, children have to be uh, ushered into a way of eradicating antisocial behavior. And uh, you do want somebody to fess up. You do want somebody to say, you know, I'm sorry for what I have done. And there are ways to approach each other. And there, there's a way to prove that you really are sorry for what you have done. You have to know how to first take responsibility. Amen. So the first step towards self-improvement is to remove all excuses, you know, because a lot of times in church, we like just thriving on being mediocre. You know, whatever uh, the broad way uh, popularity is, status quo. You know, we need to get out of status quo and learn how to be extraordinary. Amen. This mediocre thing is like what God calls in the book of Revelation uh, a lukewarm kind of person. Amen. You're in the middle. You're lukewarm. You don't need to be there because God only seeks to spew you out. Amen. So mediocrity is really a level of failure. Uh, those that continually blame other people for their failures will never go to the next level that God would have them to be in. Leaders can complain about their spouses, the income level of their congregations, uh, the lack of staff or other issues, but within every challenge is the seed of opportunity for success, which requires the creativity of problem-solving. Uh, we must do more than become aware of problems. Let's solve them and change for the good. Let's do like Paul and put away what? Childish things. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. So number one, those who do not take what? Responsibility for themselves. Amen. This is helping me as we are in our 18th year. Amen. And uh, my 18th volume of sermons is on, on the, is here right now. So I'm looking at how the Holy Ghost will refresh me, keep me fresh so that I don't, I get better and not bitter. Amen. It's tiring when you have to tell people time and time again the same thing over and over and over. And every Sunday, we seem to be yet at ground zero. We should have moved forward. Amen. 
people ought to be getting better. I should not have leaders slacking. And then when others come in, they're going to look at the slacky leaders and they're going to say, well, slacking is okay. You know, they're going to have the mediocre T-shirt on and say, I'm okay, you're okay. No, but we're not. Amen. Which brings us to number two. Those who do not have a heart to seek God. If you don't have a heart that seeks God, that's a problem. The Bible teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs 9, verse 10. Those who do not respect God enough to seek him and study his word so, that, uh, so they can make wise decisions in life are violating scripture, according to Joshua 1, 8, and 9. God wants us to have good courage. Amen to move forward. Amen. The old has passed. Moses is gone. Now Joshua's on the scene. We got to move forward and, and, and get to the victorious life that God wants us to live. We cannot uh, be, be helped, you know, if, if we're going to be holding on to our old ways. God wants us to turn away from every sin and little things that, you know, easily beset you, that throw you off. You know those easy things that throw you off. We got to get rid of that stuff. Because then God will help us to be one of the helpers in the church instead of one of the stumbling blocks in the church. Amen. He needs leaders to go forward in Jesus' name and not become stumbling blocks or people who are leading in a bad way by bad example. Uh, those who do not obey what God requires for success have decided to try to be successful in life without God's blessings. Uh, we want God's things, but we don't want what it takes to walk in a way that, you know, you will have those things. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven, right? And uh, the rest of this stuff is going to be added because God's going to give you what you need to get the job done. You ought to be about your father's business. And then he'll give you what you need to conduct business. Amen. We can, we can do the right business if we're in the will of God. So two, those who do not have a heart to seek uh, God. Number three, those who create distance so they are not accountable. Some people stay away from the higher calling because they don't want to be you know, held accountable to that. Some people like to have certain level of ministry you know, so that they will not be accountable. You know, there are certain people who only let others get so close to them, too, before cutting folks off out of relationship, out of a kind of relationship wherein a friend will love you and tell you the truth, you know. Many go from church to church. They're church hoppers all out there. They're shopping for churches like the mall, like they're looking for the right uh, fast food, you know, place. They search for churches that way, all in the flesh, searching for a church, not walking in the spirit, not acknowledging God in all our ways, acknowledge him and he will what direct our path. No, let our soul lead us. Let our body lead us. Let social media lead us. That's why some people go from church to church uh, because they fear of becoming too close to a leader who will hold them accountable. Often we uh, will find people who will attempt to attend a mega church, a big, bigger church, where they will be able to hear the word of God in the context of a large crowd so that no one will really know who they really are. Whether it is fear or rebellion, those who live like this have put a low ceiling on their lives and will not grow past 
the infant stage concerning their potential in life. One leader I had said, some folks, you can tell them by what wattage they are. Some only a 25-watt bulb. Some are 50, some are 75. You, know, you rarely get the hundreds. But when you get the hundreds, they, they do a lot, and they could burn out. We don't want, to, want them to burn out because of the, the 25, the 50, and the 75-watt folk. Which brings us to number four. Those who insist on having a negative outlook on life. Those negative folk, those pessimists, my God, pesky pessimists. They, there are some people who refuse to exercise faith in God or think positively as the word of God commands us in Philippians 4, 8. You know God will supply all your needs, won't he? Do we really believe that? I thank God for my son. He has a big faith. Amen. My son, Anthony Andre II. Some places we went as a gift to his uh, older childhood and early uh, teen, mid-teenage years, he wanted to go here and there. One place was Washington, D.C., visit the White House. Amen. I don't think I would have gone there had it not been for him. He has a big, you know, heart as far as what God has given him that he will go ye there for. Amen. He's got that go ye there for. Amen, amen. He's talking this morning about go ye there for somewhere in the Eastern Hemisphere. Amen. And God gave him that. I'm not mad at him. Amen. If I get in the way of that freight train, woe to me. Amen. I'm just going to guide him because I have knowledge. My wife and I are going to guide him because we have knowledge about life and such. But we're going to just help him and support as best as we can so that he can move in the will of God. He's not going, wanting to go somewhere so he could just be far from us so he could party, party. That's not what he's about. He's about learning. He's about honing his skills for his career. Amen. Because he needs a portfolio where he could say, yes, I've been here, I've been there. And uh, he's going to, you know, broaden his network and everything. So I thank God for his faith. Sometimes we have a little, little shoebox faith. And, some, and, and um, we're, we're, we're scoffing folk, my, my God, because they got the big old stadium faith, you know. And then some people got a little matchbox faith. So they're going to amen. The Holy Ghost is giving me that right now. Amen. Download. Amen. Little matchbox faith. And they're, you know, scoffing at the folk with the shoebox faith. Amen. Thank God. But we need to amen. See how really big God is. Amen. And your faith will increase. Amen. We don't go past our little room, scared to go down the hallway to go to the living room. My God. Little bit of faith. My God. Some folks done shrunk down to that. My God. My God. But I thank God for those adventurous ones who have got like an apostolic kind of go ye therefore kind of anointing on them. Amen. But he's going to spread the love of Jesus wherever he goes. Amen. I thank God for him. Amen. Let's praise the Lord for our young people. Amen. Help the old people get some faith. Amen. You know what? People have this little bit of faith. You know why? They, uh, this is because some have a propensity to expect the worst in life. They're so negative, so scared. They're basing life on fear, see? They're scared of, you know, going, amen, down the street to the next city, next town. My God, you know, a propensity uh, that uh, something bad is going to happen. So they never... Uh, they are never going to be disappointed by anyone or anything, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going anywhere, you know. This is a weird way some folks attempt to shield their emotions from the pain of disappointment. It is very common practice with many people today. 
in our world that we live in today. Jesus often told people that they would receive according to how they believed. For example, Matthew 8, 13. Uh, you could read that at home. In Proverbs 23, 7, it teaches that as a person thinks in their heart, you know the rest, so they will be. Amen? They cannot, in, uh, you know, I, I, as a pastor, as a leader, I cannot empower a person who refuses to think God's thoughts about themselves and about life. I'm seeing what God has put in them and on them, but they're not going to budge because they don't see it. Amen? Which brings us to number five. Those who refuse to have a vision for their future. The Holy Ghost said he's going to pour out his, you know, his, his anointing on all flesh, right? Amen. Uh, we, we will have visions and dreams. We're going to see what God wants to do. But some people are going to uh, despise prophesying. They will. There are many very talented and anointed people that Lisa and I have come in contact with in our ministry. Amen. We've been in relationship with some, so many people. Amen. But so many do not have a strategic plan or vision for their future. I remember at one time in the other location we were in, God said to have everybody, as I was studying about that, uh, have the, the people of God write a uh, personal vision statement and a personal mission statement, a vision and a mission statement. Mission is everyday things you got to do to get to that long goal uh, vision. See, God is a, his word is a what? Lamp unto my feet, every little step, and a light unto my path. He's both. You got to make everyday steps, but we're, we're headed somewhere. Amen. We should have heaven's purpose, not just our soulish realm purpose. My God, but some people just live from day to day until one day they can't work anymore. You know, those who are successful have a compelling vision that drives them daily and which feeds their souls even more than the desire to make money. It's not just about making money. Money is needed, yes, but that shouldn't be your main thing. My God, is it what God has called for you to do? Amen. Inside of every believer is a God-given kingdom vision for their future. Amen. It's refreshing to see the young people when they have that. That's why I mentioned my son. You know, woe to us older who will cause them to become a raisin in the sun. My God, just dried up. We're all prunish and dried up, and that's what we want to do to the young people. My God, I hate going in churches, looking at the young people, dressing old, acting old, sounding old, making the same old grammatical errors as the old did from Massa's uh, uh, slave camp. And they know better. They took grammar in school and everything. My God, why do we do that to them? Every generation should what? Get better. Amen. God said, shoot them forth as arrows. Amen. We don't want to send forth a little weak arrow, can barely go anywhere. Tell my piano, two, two inches, they falling down. My God, we haven't prepared them. We don't care about them. We want them to go, go, go as God would have it. Amen. Call the young because they're strong. Amen. He called us. We should have grown up by now and have some wisdom to help them and lead and guide them along the way. My God, can we usher better older people? My God, hallelujah, anyhow. Amen, amen. You know, inside of every believer is a God-given vision, amen. But if a person refuses to tap into it, 
you know, that guiding light that God put in them and value that vision as their barometer for success, then whatever pep talk Lisa and I give them as pastors is not going to help at all, is it? Uh, our little pep talk's not going to do the trick. They got to see what God is, is saying. Amen. We could help them as best as we can see what God is saying. They, got, they have to have a better prayer life. They have to have a better way of studying the Word of God, knowing how the Holy Ghost is revealing truth from the Word. Amen. How to have a song, a hymn, a spiritual song in your heart. Amen. Thank God we need people like that. Which brings us to number six. Those who live in self-deception. Some people would rather live there. There are many people who are living lives of denial regarding their relationships with God and the relationships they have with their families and all things regarding their inner and outer lives. The sad thing is that denial is the first step to outright deception in which a person concocts an alternate false reality that continually feeds their mind feeds their emotions to the things they want to hear about themselves and their key relationships. This insulates them from the word of the Lord, from others, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. God wants to come in and help, but they they got these walls, these blockages up in their psyche, in their emotions, in their mind, in their spirit. Uh, when you confront people like this, they become upset and blame you for not understanding, understanding them and for wrongfully accusing them of something. And sometimes they could wrongfully accuse you of something because they're seeing things wrong. Amen. These are the people uh, I cannot really help unless God steps in and delivers their mind from any kind of deception they might have. And sometimes it's not just them. You know how the enemy can imitate your voice and trick you into thinking that's the stuff you ought to be thinking. So really, it's a satanic deception. But people don't want to own up to that because I'm not satanic. I get it. But amen. Jesus said he, he led the people in the Old Testament to write such things in Second uh, Chronicles 7. If my people want called by my name, will humble themselves, you got to acknowledge, and pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then he's going to hear. He's not going to hear you to all those first prerequisites. Amen. You got to handle the hand of your business. Amen. Help God to help you. Which brings us to number seven, those who do not want to pay the price for success. My God. You know, there are many in, ch in the church who want the perks of success, but don't want to pay the price for that success. I agree with the author, Joseph Matera. He gave a testimony. He said, quote, when I was a teenager, I had a goal of becoming a master guitar player. So for seven years, I practiced the guitar for three to eight hours per day, as well as playing in numerous bands. While my friends were outside playing ball or wasting time doing drugs, I would shut myself up in my house and study jazz, rock, blues, classical, and more, and spend hours and hours doing scales on my guitar, which I often did even while watching television. So he could have his mind on looking at that, but he still got the muscle memory and handling his business on the scales. Amen. 
Because of this sacrifice, I gained mastery over my instrument in various kinds of music and was in high demand as a musician, end quote. So church, whatever we do in life, we are called to sacrifice our time our, and also invest our talents and be committed to a long, grueling process sometimes with many setbacks oftentimes until we reach our peak performance. Sometimes we give up right away. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that like little kids. Oh, I want to learn how to skate. They fall a few times. Oh, where the, where the skates, son? Where the skates, daughter? Uh, they in the back of the closet. I fell too many times. You only fell twice. Gosh. You know, you got to get up, dust yourself off, and what? Start all over again. Amen. But people give up too quickly sometimes before they reach their potential. Amen. And whatever it is. And sometimes kids have a lot of things they started and stopped. You know, it's, the, the, the room is full of it. Amen. And by the time they become a teenager, they want to clean their room of all of the things that they quit. You know, the quit clutter. It's all up. Clean your room. What is all that? It's quit clutter. Amen. <laughs> Some of it is. <laughs> My God. But we got to learn, church, as we sacrifice. Amen. We become a what? Living sacrifice. Holy. That means God has set you apart for something, and you got to hone those skills. We think it's just going to be some kind of effortless thing. I'll just wake up and it'll be there. When I was young in church, I had some little cut buddies and we would, you know, do some good things, learn scriptures. One of us memorized this uh, chapter of the Bible, the other one, this other one. And we would go to, you know, spiritual outings, religious outings and have fun together as church boys. Amen. And then one of them said, you know what, I want to learn so much of the Bible. To, I'm going to start, when I lay down, I'm going to lay the Bible on my head. I think by spiritual osmosis, it'll come in there and I'll just know the whole Bible. I said, I think you're going to have to work on that, bro. You can, it ain't going to just come in like osmosis. From, from an area of high, low, high concentration to an area of low concentration, osmosis. Yeah, I'm kind of geeky like that. But yeah, I said, no, it's not going to work, bro. You're going to have to read, study to show yourself approved. Amen. <laughs> Thank God. Sometimes we don't want to do the work. So this kind of sacrifice is needed in every area of our life. If we desire success, and, and it includes our marriages. Amen. Lisa and I had to work on this thing. Amen. Relationships with our children. We had to what? Work on that. Amen. Leading a company, amen, starting a business, having a church ministry. You got to work on it, amen. Consequently, uh, like the author, I have found that especially as a pastor and educator, I am not able to empower a person to the fullness of their destiny if they don't want to work hard at self-improvement. And I see it all the time. I see so much potential. The Holy Ghost shows me things. And it's very annoying because I know where they could go, but seemingly they don't want to know. Amen? Oh, you just don't want to know. Marvin Winans sung that pretty good. Amen? <laughs> Brings us to number eight. Those whose primary agenda is individualistic and not kingdom-oriented. There are some people who... Uh, whose only agenda in life is to advance their own agenda. They don't want to work with a team or flow in the context of a local assembly, a local church. They want, you know, pastors to pour into their lives, pour, 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 to pour their lives into them. 
but they are rarely ever willing to pour back into the church and serve in the kingdom of God. Some have gotten, you know, out teaspoons and ounces, maybe a gallon from us, and then they go elsewhere. My God, I can see if the Holy Ghost led you that way, but some folk have a selfish, self-centeredness, individualistic, title-seeking kind of mind. Get the little title, and then they're entitled enough to go on elsewhere. My God, my God, and they show you the backside real fast. My God, my God, after you pour into them, my God, and some barely say goodbye real good. It's very rude about it, my God. But that's okay. You know what? Lisa and I, we shake the dust off our feet and keep on keeping on. You drive the bus. You stop at stops. Folks, get on. Some get off. Some get on. Amen. But you got to keep on driving. Amen. Folks may not see what the Lord's will is, but that's going to be on them. You try your best, you do your part, amen, because the blood's not going to be on my hands. I'm going to do, do what God has commissioned for me to do, amen. Hallelujah, anyhow. But amen, uh, we've seen people, they come in, blow up, blow in, blow up, and blow out. They do like evangelists. Blow in, blow up, and blow out, Amen and take your money and your time. My God. But uh, we want to be more uh, altruistic. We want to be like Jesus. He's all about others. He gets the grace of God in him so that others can be blessed. Amen. And we're supposed to be joint heirs, you know, joint heirs in the kingdom of God, and he makes us also uh, lively stones fit jointly together. So he will give you the riches of heaven so that we could be a blessing to each and everyone in the house of God so that we could be a blessing to the world out there. Amen. They should come in and see the blessings of God that can transform them and make them who God intended for them to be. Amen. They, they ought to be enabled by the Spirit to see that. Is there enough anointing and Holy Ghost flowing in here for that to happen? If not, we got to move from individualistic to a kingdom-oriented mindset in this house. In other words, we need a revival. My God, my God, we got to, amen, help folk to be released to their great destiny. My God, and stop, concentra stop concentrating on their own agenda, but on the agenda of God. Brings us to number nine. Those who refuse to keep covenants. I have been with uh, very talented ind individuals with great callings on their lives, you know, or calling on their life, uh, who I had to back away from because they did not know how to remain faithful to their obligations or because they broke confidence by continually talking behind other people's backs in the house of God, in and out of the house of God. God says that a person who doesn't keep their word, whatever the cost, and uh, who slanders their neighbor cannot dwell in his tents. And that's in Psalm 15, verses 3 and 4. So uh, who am I to think that this kind of person can dwell in the inner circle of my life for personal development? <laughs> they can't keep themselves right in the house of God. How are they going to be a good, you know, compadre here in our assembly? My God, it's hard to fellowship with folk like that. Which brings us to number 10. We made it. Did you sleep? I hope not. 10, those who lack transparency, humility, and integrity. 
Yes, God is concerned about your personal life. Yes, God is concerned about your private thought life. God sees your thoughts anyway. We ought to not think he doesn't when he does. He's what? All-knowing, is he not? Oh, how we forget that. Folks sitting in church undressing folk, and we forgot God sees what we're doing. Amen? My God, people come in with the wrong mind and leave with the, uh, a worse mind. God sees that. God sees a person who comes in with a pretty bad mind but wants to get rid of it. God sees that. Amen? Hallelujah. The Bible teaches us to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light in 1 John 1, 7. It also teaches us to confess our faults to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed in James 5, 16. That's why some folk aren't healed. Those who do not admit their faults and confess uh, their sins cannot have the kind of fellowship and relationship with a, a disciple mentor suitable for their personal growth. God wants us to mentor folk when they come in, but it's hard to do that when there's no transparency, when there's no humility, when there's, when there's no integrity in that person or the person who's supposed to be the mentor. Amen. You know, it, it is important for me to have a transparent relationship with those I am mentoring and with those uh, who I am leading since a person who conceals their sins from me is not giving me a chance to fully speak into their life and help them in the areas of their weakness. Those who want to progress in their spiritual, spiritual formation have to learn to practice the spiritual discipline of confessing sin, according to Proverbs 28, 13. You got to what? Confess your faults, one to the other. Amen. And if you don't, uh, God will not hear you. Amen. You cannot regard iniquity in your heart. Why? Because God will not hear you. Amen. He hears you, but you're not going to have a proper hearing. It's like in the court. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise. Your, your, your praise is your life. Are you living a transparent life? That's good worship. Are you humble before God? That's good worship. Uh, do you have integrity? That's what? Good worship. Amen. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. That's the stuff you're doing wrong. Purify your heart, ye double-minded. That's the stuff you're thinking. That's your passions and all the stuff within you that you want to do. It may not be according to God's will, so you have to check yourself. Amen. Thank God as we are closing we cannot disregard sin of any kind in our lives, nor should we think that our personal lives, uh, our families, our local assembly, our neighborhood, our nation, or world around us is just fine and dandy when we are regarding sin in our life. We, we, we got to disregard it. Amen. We can't think everything's going well when we never confess, when we didn't do these the things that I just went over. Amen. It's not fine. It's not just fine and dandy. But for real change, I said real change, y'all. God is defining real change the way he defines it. It's the holy way. Holy, H-O-L-Y, means something that you have done in your life. Now, W-H-O-L-L-Y has happened. Amen. You are completely his. Every part of my being is his. 
my financial life, my emotional life, my psychological, my social life. Amen. My sensuality all belongs to who? To God. Amen. He cares. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. You are not revering Hugh Hefner and his work. Amen. Because that's not the intentions of God to exploit folk. Amen. Thank God. I don't want to see my daughter with a little bunny tail on the back of her behind and some rabbit ear on the top of her head. No. I don't want her sliding down some pole so some man can oogle her and throw dollars all up on the stage. Lose here. Is that what God intended for us? Men are doing it too, shaking their behind for cash. And women are, oh, making it rain. And then they bring that spirit in the house of God. When they think the preacher's preaching good, they come throwing dollars on the pulpit. Lose here. Don't make it rain up in here. Put your money in the envelope and put your name on there. Put the information on there. We go by the government. We're not making it rain up in here. Hallelujah. Only rain up in here is the anointing. Anointing fall on me. Anointing fall on me. That's what we need. That's what we need for real change. God wants to come in and bring the holy way into our mind, into our heart, into our soul. We must come clean through admittance. Are you going to admit it? We got to come clean through repentance. Are you going to repent? Turn from your wicked ways. But we don't want to say I got wicked ways. I'm not wicked. I've been saved since. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm. We don't even want to know our age, you know. Oh, but sometimes, yeah, servants need to repent. David was at the end of his life. He was up there. He was a voyeur. They were out there fighting. He was up there checking out the honeys. And it wasn't even his honey. Well, what's she doing? Bathing? What's her name? Bathsheba? Oh, no wonder. She's living up to her name. Go ahead, bathe, baby. And he went on ahead and did what he had to do to, you know, as he was drawn by his own lust and entice, he let the flesh win on that one. My God. But later, 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 after the baby came, and then here come Nathan, prophet Nathan. He said, oh, there was a man that, you know, he had everything. And then there was a servant he had, had barely nothing. He took the one little sheep the man had and did what he wanted with it. What should we do with such a man? He said, oh, that man needs to be punished, this and that. The other thing, he said, you are that man. My God, it wasn't a compliment. That's one time in the Bible, the first time it was stated, you the man. But it wasn't like Ebonics or something. No, it wasn't a compliment. My God, he was guilty. He was weighed in the balance and found in want. Guilty as charged. And guess what David had to what? Repent. He had to admit it, and then he repented. Then afterwards, God was able to restore him. Amen. We, we, we look for restoration, but we didn't repent. We look for the blessing of repentance, but we didn't admit Let's do it in order. Admit first. That's what they do in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, I, I, I'm one. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic and this and that other thing. And they have to repent. And they can get restored. And if they stay clean, they, they count all of the days how long they've been clean. And the longer you're clean, the stronger you are. But the devil tries to play a game with that. It's a rubber band stretching. Oh, you've been clean a long time. The greater the pool for me to get you to come back on in. Come back to Jamaica. No, I don't want to go to Jamaica, man. Not that one. That's the sinful Jamaica. Amen. 
Jay Moss wrote a song, let's go to Florida, the corridor of the wicked. I don't want to go there either. The devil be measuring us. He measures us. The devil measures us. Oh, how, how low can I take her? How low can you go? And he'll try to get you. My God, he'll study you. My God, to see how prideful you are. You're not going to admit it. You're prideful. You're not going to repent. You're prideful. You don't get restored because you're too prideful to be restored. Oh, I've been in this church. My daddy's name is on there. Oh, we built this place. This is none other than the house of their family name goes there. It is the gate of heaven. My God, they built the church. Oh, oh, they're God. Oh, I forgot. You're, I'm praying to the wrong one. You're the one. Oh, But we got to drop all this pride stuff, y'all. And when we get to uh, the, the, the judgment time, you know, when we're standing before God, oh, we're not going to be so big and bad. My God, oh, we're going to be standing before God spiritually naked. My God, oh, we had a whole lot down on, on the earth, but oh, we don't have nothing up there. Nothing but the memories of what you did. Nothing but, amen, the status of how you left yourself when you left the earth to come to the judgment. Amen. So as a tree falls, so shall it lie. Amen. You better make sure that your, amen, hope is anchored in Jesus. My eternal hope of glory. Hallelujah. Are you ready to meet your maker? Hallelujah. Think about it. Think about it. Hallelujah, God. God wants to revive this place. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.